Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. This topic is going to be live streaming. The key to growing your brand in 2021. Over the past year or so, we have seen so many technological evolutions, particularly when it comes to live streaming, that have been driven by necessity. Many folks have seen the opportunity, and one of them is the person we're going to be speaking with today who I believe you're going to find very interesting since there's so much out there about live streaming and branding that we could use something that we can all look to as a standard for figuring all this out. There are so many articles, so many opinions, all that stuff about live streaming. As I like to say on this show and also through my podcast reach trainings and some other mediums, God gave me a face for radio, but he also gave me the voice for radio. So at least he was consistent in handing out the attributes. That said, I do occasionally live stream myself. This is also a relevance to me. Helping us today to bring us to this understanding is a gentleman named Amani Roberts. And let me tell you about him. In the basement of an old bank in Washington, D.C., a college kid watched Biz Markey again. Now, she says he's just a friend for those of us who remember the pop culture reference. Biz Markey, I'm a child of the 80s. I remember that song so well. Anyway, this college kid's life changed forever. Now... Amani Roberts, DJ Amro, is a successful DJ, music producer, podcaster, educator, and business professional. He knows coaches, he, he knows coaches, business owners, and entrepreneurs need information on how to use the tools of live streaming, podcasting, and DJing to grow their business and clientele. With a Bachelor's of Business Administration from Howard University, Amani initially focused on developing his business skills in hotel sales management. But by 2008, he was already moving in music circles, creating his own podcasts and spinning in local bars and clubs in California. He developed his skills both as a DJ and a music producer at the renowned Scratch Academy in Los Angeles, the skills that ultimately launched his DJ career. As well as performing around the world, Amani has co-released three remix EPs and runs a successful music business that caters to corporate clients. He's also an adjunct professor at California State University, where he teaches entertainment money management and the, is the, is the co-director of the Center for Entertainment and Hospitality Management. Amani hosts and produces the Amani Experience podcast and has been featured in Yahoo Finance, MPI, and on the Evan Holiday podcast. 
Amani currently lives in Redondo Beach, California, and you can discover more about him at his website, the Amani, excuse me, www.amaniexperience.com, and you can follow him on many of the top social media networks. Woo! Okay, Amani Roberts, come on in. The weather's fine. <laughs> All right, glad to be here. Thank you for that amazing introduction. Candidly, my friend. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. I say that a lot, but this time I really mean it. I do a lot of work in podcasting myself. Our niche, the gap that we fill, are small and medium-sized businesses, startups transitioning to leverage, and other entities that are using podcasting as the spearhead to either launch a new business or brand and to serve as the primary networking and client attraction tools. So both of us have done a lot of work in podcasting and our approaches may be a bit different. Our goals with it may be a bit different, which is one of the reasons I actually wanted to have you here in the event that that naturally surfaces throughout the course of our conversation. Now, before we dive in, what we like to do with our guests here at Business Creators Radio is we like to go a little bit beyond the official bio and ask what it is that brought the person to where they are today, serving their community market and audience from their intersection of their brilliance and their passion, meaning you. Now, you told us a bit about that in the bio already. So I'm going to ask the question for you a slightly different way. Yes, as you can tell, I really love that Biz Markie song that most of us know. Why and how did that change your life forever? Yeah, yeah. Why? I saw someone doing something, Bismarcky I'm speaking of, that he had the power and control over the crowd. He played a set. Within his set, he played about a 15 or 20 minute mini set of just TV theme show songs. And when I saw that, and it was songs from, as we are both kids of the 80s, you could do the theme songs for like the Golden Girls, What's Happening, Jefferson's. Um, all these popular t- sitcoms from back in the day, we were singing along to all of them. And just the way he had his crowd, the crowd moving, I said, I want to do that. And so I decided I want to do that, but I didn't have the courage to do it initially. It took me a good 13 or 14 years to really go for it. But that's why it's because of the crowd, the, the impact he had on the crowd and how it was really moving to California um, and just having the courage to try to go for it on the side and then really continue to practice and work at it and invest in myself to make it happen. I gotta ask you, she says he's just a friend. Is that the case? <laughs> We're still trying to get to the bottom of this all these years later. Uh, this this happened when he was in college and just you know dating myself because he and I are approximately the same age, give or take a couple years. Uh, he's a middle-aged guy now. I wonder if he's ever figured it out. Yeah, he's and his health is declining. He's not doing well. He's been in the hospital for a very long time. So really want oh. some prayers up to him. But I think that she was not telling the truth. The guy was more than just a friend and he found out the hard way, but um, we live and learn and we grow and we keep moving forward. So she was not just a friend. <laughs> We've all been there once or twice, my brother. I mean, I'm telling you, seriously, we have all been there. Uh, if, I mean, if you haven't run into that once or twice, then my friend, my brother, you have not lived. You have you not, have not reached out. You have not made that effort. Yes. So I think that is actually a good place 
to begin. The market, no matter what industry you're in, I think is saturated. Uh, with my podcast reach method line that we're promoting right now, where we work with entrepreneurs to launch and use their podcast, their primary networking client attraction tool, I have got a ton of competition. Almost every week, another competitor either arises or appears on my dashboard that I hadn't noticed before. So the chances are that she does have someone who's more than just a friend. In other words, they may already have somebody who does the thing that you do, who they're either working with or considering working with. With all this competition, how does live streaming help us break through, so to speak, and capture their attention and interest? I think live streaming puts a face, a voice, a personality to your brand or your name. People can see what's written about you online. They can see your website. They can see pictures. They can see videos that are pre-produced. When you get to live streaming, there's no second takes. There's no like, oh, let's run that back. They see what you're doing. You're there. You're engaging with them. They see your facial expressions, how you handle stress, how you answer questions, how you treat people, no matter whom they are. And it just really allows people to get very close to you as a brand and as an individual. And that's powerful. It will allow you to set yourself apart. It will allow you to create a lasting connection with clients, with friends, with friends who can refer you to clients. And it's kind of like the new way of networking and just creating a set of content that that really will live on forever. But it just it's like an interactive TV show just focused on your brand. Right. So it has to do with the personality and how we create that feeling, that perception of a personal relationship with our viewers. Correct. Yeah. With, you know, down to looking in the camera, pronouncing their name correctly. If it's a screen name, if it's their real name, remembering details about them. Like, oh, I remember you said two weeks ago when I was live streaming, you're getting ready to go on a trip to Miami. How was your trip? What did you do? Like, it's different now. You you can't just uh, promote yourself and, and expect to really, really exceed expectations and make a lot of revenue. You have to really make it personal. And live streaming allows you to make it personal very quickly. I'm just excited about the fact that I don't have to leave my home office to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's safe, too. It's safe. We can't forget that. You're well, your uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some of us uh, on the way over left extrovert excuse me introverted side of the spectrum of introversion extroversion ambiversion and all those other versions of versioning out there i know that yeah some days it's just not safe to leave my home office or home office because there might be people out there (laughs) but what's great about live streaming is that you can not necessarily have your energy tapped out the same way but there is something i wanted to run by you and get your thoughts on and i've mentioned this here on business creators radio before there are studies that show that excessively communicating with people via video where you see their faces can actually contribute to the fatigue that comes from using electronic devices it can actually accelerate it and part of the reason why has to do with Body language, actually. So let's say, uh, I mean, Business Creators Radio Show is audio, but let's say we were video. What would we look like? We would be both sitting 
square up with our shoulders back and looking directly into the camera, holding a media pose for an hour. <laughs> right. Uh, so but what we would not see are some of the other nonverbals. Let's say that you and I were hanging out sometime. Uh, we were in the same city. And we decided to get together. Would it be natural that every once in a while our conversation would just sort of drift off, even if we were having a great time? Yeah. I think would it uh, be yeah would it be normal if let's say I asked you a question and it took you a minute to you wanted to think about it and give the answer very carefully but you wouldn't say hey give me a minute let me think about that your body would subtly shift where you'd actually it would just be barely perceptible for those who knew what to look for you'd actually sit back in your chair a bit and you'd probably raise one of your hands to your face and place it under your chin and you would be signaling non-verbally, give me a minute, let me process this one. And it would also be natural that we may have the conversation, we may not look directly at each other the whole time. In fact, the idea of looking each other in the eye for the entire hour can be kind of creepy. With, with in-person communication, those subtleties of body language help to facilitate the conversation. When you're speaking with somebody through a video medium, that feedback loop is partially interrupted so we have to work harder to deal with the fact that our brain is still trying to process and locate that data to guide us through the conversation have you found that to be an issue with what you're doing i think that burnout is real from all the zooms we're doing and everything like that so when we're live streaming it really takes even more additional energy because um you have to be on for pretty much the entire time. Like you can look around, you can joke, but if you live stream, you can't really take like a break because people, you're live. So what you can do though, is when you're live streaming, you can implement different video options. So you can put in some videos. So while you're live streaming, maybe a video is playing for three, four or five minutes, we'll give you a break. So you can add in little breaks here and there that help. But, uh, you know, the burnout on live streaming is very real. You just have to be, creative and how you manage it. I see. What are some of the things other than putting in occasional videos you play or finding a way to work in breaks? This is a real issue. And I get a lot of inquiries about this. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. What are some other things that a live streamer could do to help deal with that fatigue and be able to keep going with live streaming? Because I can tell you just doing audio interviews sometimes gets a little exhausting for me. Yeah. One of the best tips I have is to actually use the chat to your advantage. So if you're coming up on a time when you are, you know, you think, okay, I need a little bit of a break here. I'm still going to be live, but I, you know, I can't really be looking at the camera this time. Just kind of say, okay, you know, in the chat, tell me, you know, what's the temperature in the city you're, you're at right now? Or where, where are you from? You know, get, do a sort of a call and response in the chat so that instead of looking at the camera, you can read the chat and the, someone says, oh, you know, I'm here and I'm tuning in from Washington, D.C. I said, oh, really? What part, you know, Sam, what part are you of Washington, D.C. are you in? I used to live in, you know, downtown near Howard University. Or someone says, oh, I'm from Chicago. You say, oh, really? What part of Chicago? I used to live in the west suburbs, you know, near Schaumburg. So that way, you're not really looking at the camera, you're still speaking, people are engaging, which is what you want with live streaming in the chat, but it just kind of gives you a break from having to look and you're just kind of calling and responding. And you can do that periodically and it really helps. It helps to kind of not really reset the stream, but give you a little break 
you still engaging with the audience, learning more about your audience. And it's fun, you know, just talking to people, like having a conversation. And then you can get back to the other part of your live stream. You can also do Q&As through the live stream. They can ask questions, put things in there. Um, you know, on Twitch, I do a lot of DJing sets on Twitch or talk on Twitch. You can do like, you know, put a one in the chat if you're, you know, you're happy to see this person or, you know, just different things that you can do. Use the chat for your advantage and that will help give you some relief from the video aspect. Absolutely. So um, what I'm saying here or what I'm thinking here is, first of all, you kind of sound like a DJ there. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my core. That's my base. Exactly. 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 So this, I think, answers part of the question of how can a DJ teach business leaders about creativity and unlocking their team's potential? And actually, I'd like to sort of segue into that for a moment. We've seen how a DJ can help an entrepreneur live stream. So let's take a little bit of a different tack before we circle around to just a little bit of a how-to on live streaming and tell us about how that background facilitates your work with uh, business leaders in terms of unlocking a team's potential, inspiring their creativity, and those types of things because that's another thing that our listeners are really interested in. I strongly believe there's some distinct parallels between DJing and growing a business. You know, I wrote my book about that. I think that if you look at the time slots, let's just give a quick example. You start the club at 10 p.m., you're going to go to 2 a.m. And when you first start, when you first start DJing, you're there, the club or bar might not be that busy. So you're walking in, you're trying to get to know who's there, what music they like, so you can keep them there. Same thing in business. You're trying to identify your ideal client. Who's going to be your ideal client, your quote-unquote avatars, they like to call it nowadays, and how can you find more of them? Then in business, you know, we always run to issues, troubleshooting. In the DJ life, there's always problems. The speaker could go out, your computer could crash. You know, There could be a problem with the mixer, the lights aren't working. Always a problem, but the music can never ever stop. The same thing applies in business. You might have to make a, a shift in your strategy, open up and try to sell different types of products or services. You gotta make a shift. Maybe your initial idea didn't work, but you have to be flexible and figure out, okay, what am I going to do to keep the business going? That's like troubleshooting. You troubleshoot it, you keep moving on. Once you do find out what's going well, you get to a time period, which we call in the DJ world, prime time. That's like midnight, the dance floor is packed. You're playing hit after hit. The crowd is singing along. You've got them kind of, you're controlling them. You're taking them on a journey. Same thing in business. You're increasing sales month over month. The business is going well. You're introducing new products. They're going well. How can you continue to keep that momentum up? Just like in the DJ life, you're just going hit after hit, business after business. You keep going. We, and that's like, so that's like midnight. Then, you know, you kind of fast forward, you go through a couple stages. I'm forgetting, I'm obviously leaving some out, but like one of my favorite stages is, you know, when I DJ sets towards the last 15 minutes, I love to play slow jams. Love to play slow jams because if you're in a bar or club, you want to help people out, kind of finish what they came to the club to do. They can get that young ladies or young guys number and, you know, create some, you know, potential relationships. Same thing in business, they use slow jams. What is really brings up is nostalgia. You'll notice many, many businesses use nostalgia to recreate themselves, to draw in uh, customers from different age groups. You'll see a good example would be like Nintendo relaunched their old Nintendo that was popular in the late 80s. They're trying to bring not only new customers, younger kids, but also the people who grew up with Nintendo. Uh, Stan Smith, Adidas. They use, you know, the Adidas Stan Smith shoes are popular from the 70s, yet they're one of their highest selling shoes right now because they use nostalgia 
Old Spice. They use music in their commercials that sparks up memories. So businesses use nostalgia to grow and to maintain their customer base. We do the same thing in the DJ world. Finally, you're done. Say it's two o'clock AM and you're finished, but you always get feedback. You say, okay, the bar manager, you go to the bartenders, the security, how was that? Did it go well? Did people stay? Did people not like it? What happened? And, and when you have a business, you have to get feedback from your customers. Say, what do you like about my products? What can we do better? How can we better serve you? The, the, the similarities are there and there's, they're plentiful and many people discount it. And I'm here to share that, no, DJing, a club, a gig, being a DJ is very similar to growing a business. And I can, we can talk about the ways for hours. Wow, that is something. And that is the reason why everybody who's listening to this live should go back and make sure you subscribe to the Business Creators Radio Show on your favorite syndication network. That is something you want to go back and replay, rewind, and take notes on because you're going to keep getting aha moments. I never thought of using the typical or a standard flow for an evening working as a DJ and applying that to both business and marketing the way you did. Yeah. Yeah. That um, never occurred to me. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to share it with you. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm just here thinking, wow, I say many times that not only am I the host of this show, I'm also a listener in the front row with my pad of paper and two pens out looking for the slight edge in my business. But that is something right there just whoa so we're dealing with how to motivate a group of people to do what you want them to do you brought back the idea of nostalgia a couple times and the work that i do we use a similar phrase childlike state of enthusiasm when you can take somebody back to that moment that they remember from their childhood in fact we did that at the very beginning, and I found myself going into that when I read off your biography at the beginning of our conversation here, and you mentioned Biz Markey. Boy, did that take me back, not only to my high school years, but also in college when my college buddies and I used to ask each other, uh, is he just a friend? <laughs> it takes us back in time, and it opens us up to a level of suggestion as it inspires a nostalgia that we want to go back to. And yeah. I have found that to be incredibly powerful when in influencing people. Yeah. I mean, let's think about the movies we used to watch back in the day. And I love John Hughes movies, whether it be Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, some kind of yeah. wonderful. You remember those movies, but what we remember is a lot of the songs that were played in those movies bring back memories for us. And that's just the perfect example about nostalgia. You can hear a song and be like, I remember where I was when I heard this song and I remember what I was doing. And that's the power of music. Isn't that funny? For those of us of a certain age who were pre-internet, we had to hope that the DJ gave the name and the artist of the song <laughs> in order for us to go buy it. It was back in the days before we could just go to some device type in a phrase that we thought we heard, put it in quotes, and then add the word lyrics after it and get a home run nine and a half times out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Before Shazam was out there. So now, you know, it's yeah. different now, but the impact is still the same because you could hear a song that um, maybe was popular. Oh, let's just take the last year. Like we were been in quarantine for a year and you'll hear songs. You're like, I remember 
I heard this song all the time during quarantine. They played it all the time on the radio while we were stuck inside. And so it's the same thing happens. It's just we learn about music a little bit differently now. It's still the idea of connecting music to events. I have had, if you were to look at my browser bookmarks, they are dominated by three subjects, one of which is articles on podcasting because I'm I'm a ravenous consumer of information about that since that's the industry I'm in. One of them is, one of the subjects has to do with other forms of business information. And then the third are links to videos on YouTube, Vimeo, Rumble, etc. of songs that I ran across at random and just had to bookmark because, oh my goodness, I remember hearing that when I was eight years old and it was in the car ride on the way to do the Christmas play. And all those years. Yeah. And just, yeah. whoa! <laughs> indeed, indeed, absolutely. I can remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> wow. Is this something we should consider? Like, let's say if we're doing intro and outro music for our polished versions of our live streams, like if we're repurposing them, or if we have a standard intro, we're using a technology or a software to click play as we're getting ready to come in. Think about what type of groove, what type of beat, what type of melody could inspire some of those childlike states of enthusiasm, that feeling of nostalgia in our listeners. I think so. There's definitely some royalty-free music out there that will sound very similar to hits of our youth that you will not yep. get in trouble for playing, and that would be fun to do, switch it up, and, you know, that's that's a great idea. I think you right. should do it. Yeah, so what if somebody's never live-streamed before? I, I'm getting a sense from you that to do it effectively, it's a bit more than just turn on a camera and start speaking. <laughs> this is true, but yeah. what I, what, what I'll say to that is I started live streaming, you know, a year, year and a half ago, and I am okay. so much further along now than where I was, but I would not be here if I didn't start. So I say that to say that where you start from will not be where you end up, but you have to get started. Many people I meet and talk to are scared about turning the camera on and just hitting go. You just have to hit go live and figure it out. I started with a old MacBook Air, the um, camera on that one, you know, no real audio interface. I just had like, um, I just had like use the, the speaker from the, the laptop and just went. And, you know, to look back on those, you might shudder because it's not pretty, but I was able to just get started. I was able to learn and figure out what camera worked well, what microphone works well, what audio interface, how to do uh, different drops and intros and using a stream deck and all these things I've learned. It's like a live living class for the last year, but I didn't start that way. And I just really encourage people, if you're looking at a live stream, you're worried about a camera, do you have maybe an old Canon or old Sony around? You can turn those into, you know, webcams. Do you have a really good camera on your laptop? Because if so, use that. Do you have microphones, earbuds? Try that. If not, you can buy a microphone for very cheap, $45. You can buy a Focusrite audio interface for like 120 bucks now. Yep, yep. The price on those have come down, damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, back they were charging us a lot of money back in like April, May, but it, the prices are down. You can I paid $240 <laughs> for my Focusrite yeah. Scarlet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well... 
Your tax deduction could help you. It's a business expense. Yeah. But yeah, you, and you can, there are communities out there where you can learn what works, what doesn't work. You can practice. I used to use, you know, different apps like a Zoom, StreamYard. Then I got to OBS, Open Broadcasting System. Now I'm on there, but I didn't get there right away. It took me many months. I was scared. I was scared to use OBS. I was intimidated. What is this? These scenes, these, 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 what, what is all this? But if you if you just you just take it one step at a time, just hit go, try one thing, build on top of it, listen, get feedback, keep moving. The, the thing that stops most people is just the fear of not looking good or not sounding good, but you have to go through that so you can get to the good stuff. Hey, remember about a year ago when we got our checks from the government? Remember, <laughs> remember, remember we all got the uh, got the Trump checks, they called them. Some mm -hmm. of us got the $1,200. I think for some might have been a slightly different number. We saw the memes out there that had President Trump or former President Trump at this point saying, in essence, yo, man, I just put a big stack in your vault. Hollow at your boy in November. <laughs> Remember those? Well, anyway, anyway, the reason I bring it up is I belong to a lot of podcast discussion groups. Folks took that $1,200 and just went, in my opinion, apeshit buying equipment. So you'd find out they bought the entire Roadcaster series or they got seven different microphones or bought 500 feet of sound deafening material. It just went on and on and on. I saw this one post. This guy just made this list of all these different things that, oh, goodness, even I don't even know what half this stuff is. And at the end of his post, he typed, ah, the possibilities. Now, somebody... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention who it was, just some guy, self-point, commented and asked in the nicest possible way, so what's your podcast about? <laughs> and you would have you would have think I I asked him if the sky was purple. He had no idea. Yeah. Spent the entire twelve hundred dollars on podcasting equipment and didn't know what he was gonna podcast about. Now, is that even with what you're doing? I'm getting the impression that seems at least partially backwards. I don't know that you're ever going to have the optimal equipment because you're going to continue to have evolutions. As soon as they come out with the best microphone ever, they're going to come out with another one. I mean, you thought you thought that they'd never beat Bose headphones, and then then Dre came out. Yeah, yeah. With Beats. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like, maybe hit start. Maybe hit go live, use what you have, and then just build on top of it. Like it took me until maybe I think I first got like October, September, October to get a green screen. You know, green screens are very, very useful, but I couldn't get there because I just wasn't, I didn't wrap my head around it. I took my time. I finally got a green screen. Now I use it almost every stream. It's great, but that took me a while. Uh, I was fortunate where I was already podcasting and then I started live streaming where I can use my Zoom H6 as my audio interface. I also had a Focusrite as a backup in case the Zoom broke. So I ended up using that in different places. You know, I didn't have any lighting. So I had to be really creative with lighting because with live stream, you want to make sure your lighting is good. You know, I, I was, I didn't have a camera at first. That was the first thing I really invested in. I waited, I did research. I saw that Best Buy had these great Sony A6000 cameras for about 150 or $200 off in the middle of the pandemic. I was like, whoa, brand new one. I'll buy it. I bought that camera brand new and sold or returned a used one that I had gotten. And you just kind of keep building it. And you can get to a point where 
for live streaming, especially for DJing, uh, PCs generally are better than Macs. And so eventually I was able to save up and over Christmas and January this year, I was able to get a gaming PC for relatively inexpensive. And now my streams have taken a next step, but I just started with a MacBook Air back in March and it took me nine months to get, or 10 months to get to where I am now. And it's just like, use what you have to get started. And the show that I started live streaming has evolved. I now live stream, I do a talk show on Twitch about how people can learn by using Twitch better. I have a dating game that I do every two weeks. This was not even at the top of my mind 11 or 12 months ago. And that's the whole point about evolution. You just kind of keep building what's working, what's not working and keep moving forward. We don't actually have to be perfect. Here's <laughs> another analogy I like to use. You may have a TV show that you follow. Maybe you tune in every Tuesday at 10 o'clock to see the episodes live, or you wait until a season finishes and they release the whole thing on Prime or Netflix or something and then binge it all at once. I personally recommend the latter approach because I think you get more out of it, but that's, hey, do as you may. You may remember that before that show became a thing, there was a pilot episode where there is this one character who never showed up again, but somehow they were the star of the first episode or for some reason that set that you got used to seeing throughout the series looked different in the pilot. Cause they were using a different, they were using a different set of props or a different building that they recreated. So my point being is that show started somewhere and in many cases, all you have to do is go back to season one, episode one to see the origins. Yeah. Yeah. The perfect example of that is American Idol. They yeah. started off with like two hosts and then they quickly made the decision to just have Ryan Seacrest. And, you know, from there, it just continued to grow. But look at the first episode of American Idol. It's come a long way. That's that's a perfect yeah. example that you're speaking about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you've never live streamed before... I would say, and I think I, I think you would agree with this, Amani, to certain to a certain expect respect is to be intentional about it, but at the same time, never even imagine you're going to get it perfect because even when you think you have it perfect, you don't. Yeah, I think the the idea of perfection is it's a myth. There's no such thing as perfection. That's a myth. It just doesn't exist. There will never be everything that will go right in anything you do. That's just, it's just a myth. So the quicker you can realize that, then the better you can kind of move forward and accept that done is better than perfect and just keep moving forward. Here's another thing that I like to say. Have you ever had somebody give criticism of something that you thought was your best work. Yes. Okay. Okay. So pause. That was your best work. That was supposed to be the perfected version. And yet somebody found issue with it. If that was perfect, everybody would have thought it was perfect. They would have all loved it unconditionally. That's not the case, though. Perfectionism. Exactly. Yeah, not the case. <laughs> exactly. I, I love to throw that in sometimes as it illustrates that not only is perfection impossible, but in order for there to have perfection that everybody will agree is perfect, we also have to agree that there is only one truth. And I've said many times in my books and 
episodes of this show, in my blogs, in my speeches, that there's no such thing as the truth. There are facts that we can all stipulate to as being factual, but we will view those facts through the lens of our education, experience, and worldview to create our truth, which is why you can have three people witness the scene of an accident, all three of them give mutually contradictory accounts while being tested on a polygraph and all of them pass the polygraph. Does anybody know why that is? Oh, go ahead and tell us. All right. That is because polygraphs test for prevarication. They are not fact checkers. Hmm. They're looking for signs that you're actively lying or that you're distorting or that you are creating a truth as you go along. But if you're speaking with what is your natural truth, that will register as a truthful response, even if it varies from the facts as they were. That's why polygraphs are often inadmissible in courts of law. If you can remember that, then you can be comfortable live streaming knowing that you will never get it perfect but at the same time, you are creating an avenue for somebody to take your message and embrace it as their truth and resonate with it. There you go. Yeah. So how does, uh, let's get into revenue and monetization. This is a big topic when it comes to podcasting and when it comes to live streaming. What are some of the revenue streams that you've seen people be able to develop through the mechanics of live streaming? So live streaming, and I'm coming out of the perspective that from the primary, most of my live streams are on Twitch and on YouTube. So when right. you have those two platforms on Twitch, they have an ecosystem built in where you could get people who subscribe to you, who cheer, give you bits. And that's kind of where you get most of your revenue from there. Now, if you take it extra levels, one thing that completely came out of nowhere that I was totally unexpected is merchandise. Merchandise, once you start to, you know, stream, whether you're a DJ or you have a talk show, people want to have mugs with your logo on it, mugs with sayings that you have, T-shirts, sweatshirts. That completely surprised me as to the effectiveness of merch and how people will buy it. And you can earn some revenue, some serious revenue off merch. That's another way. An additional way would be sponsorship. People will sponsor your show. It might be a one-time sponsor. It could be a, a lifetime sponsor. You can have different sponsorship levels, whether or not you're live streaming. You give them a 30-second bumper. You give them the title point of the show, like the Twitch dating game brought to you by XYZ Company. Um, yep. There's different layers of sponsorship also. And then from there, donations. People will donate to you. They will donate to you. They want to support you. They If you say you're on a quest to get you know, a new computer or new equipment, people... And they, you'll be surprised. People will give you donations to help that way and help you with that. Um, then you can also use your live stream and then parlay it into a platform or community on Patreon where people are subscribing and you give them exclusive content in addition to your live stream. Maybe you allow your patrons to send in questions for the next interview you're going to do, or they get the first look at a new video you've releasing for the, the live stream. Just there's so many ways you can use Patreon that helps you monetize, cuts out the middleman and just gives you revenue. So that's, those are probably the three top ways in terms of revenue you can get from your live stream. Yeah, we speak about advertisers and sponsors. 
does that do you have to have precise data on how many listeners how many downloads how many streams in order to attract that you do but you know don't discount even if you have a smaller medium-sized audience if you have a core audience of let's say you know females ages 30 to 42 that are mostly based in you know the southern area of the united states and you have say you average 75 to 100 people live in your live stream and then an additional 100 will watch it on the recording like that could be very valuable to a brand because you could be the exact target that they want to attract and so instead of spending you know 10 15 20 thousand dollars for an advertisement where maybe two or three people will notice it on a website or in a magazine if they know that they're going to get a core market of 200 people that are going to be absolutely interested in their product that's very valuable to some people so you you and you have data you'll have data on that between the platforms like how many people are watching how long are they watching where are they tuning in from how long do they stay watching you have enough data that can provide these partners that you have, whether it be advertising partners or sponsored partners say, look, you know, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I'll average about 220 people in my live stream, an additional uh, six or 700 will watch the recording within two weeks. Well, that can be very, very valuable to someone who has a specific product they're trying to sell and they would want to work with you and at least test it out for a month or two months because they would see wow, I'm able to reach these people directly in an engaging advertisement that can change and evolve as our products change. Like it's very compelling. It's a very compelling case. Yeah, we have clients who sell sponsorships for their regular webinars that they offer for their audience. Uh, webinars to me are like the first cousins once removed of live streaming mm -hmm. because we learned a lot about live streaming through webinars. These days, webinars tend to be pretty scripted. For a lot of the webinars that I do, I use teleprompters. You can't see it because you're, I'm showing slides. It's because I want to be able to focus on delivering a smooth presentation without verbal pauses, without having to second guess it, without having to think about it. And I find it's more comfortable when I can go from a teleprompter. I may stray from the teleprompter. And in fact, I've been doing so more and more as it just becomes more natural to me. So that's another segue right there is for the person who, I mean, you've heard me this morning. Sometimes I'm rolling on it and sometimes I just have those days and today's one of those days where I'm not completely 101% on this and that's okay. I've been doing the Business Creators Radio Show for going on eight years. I can still make a memorable, amazing experience like the one we're having today, even when I flub my lines every once in a while, even when my brain synapses don't seem to be quite connecting for some weird reason, which happens to all of us. So what do you recommend for that occasional situation? Like I'm being very candid and showing to my audience right now where you're doing this live stream and it's scheduled. And for some reason, it's just not clicking that day. You know, that's, that's okay though, because live streams are real. We are real people. We, we're not on 100% of the time. We have our bad days. We forget what we want to ask. But within a live stream, you can pause. You know, pausing is okay. Everything, all the seconds of the show don't need to be filled with words. A pause is good. Like, that's good. People can give thought. You can say, you know what? I'm having trouble remembering what I was going to ask, but I'll get there eventually. And it's just like a natural conversation. In addition, like, 
people can relate more to you if you show a little bit of vulnerability, like, you know what, you know, I'm kind of a little bit under the weather, but I, I wanted to show up here for you today. So excuse me if I might talk a little slower or my memory might not be as strong, like people will come back. That'll resonate with people because they're like, oh, well, you know, you know, Adam's really, really like me. He struggles sometimes too. And, and I like the fact that he called it out and he mentioned it. So, you know, live stream, we're real people. We're not perfect. We, we're not on all the time. We might hit the microphone. We might forget a question. We might, you know, say a bad word. You know, it just happens. <laughs> and the more that you can, now don't overdo it and don't be too ironic with it. But as, the more right. that you can be like real and say, you know what, I need, you know, give me some grace because I'm struggling today. You will be surprised at how many people will rally around you and pick you up and carry you through the stream. It happens when I'm DJing. It could be DJing, had a tough day. Maybe I lost a gig that I was thinking about getting a virtual gig or something. I'm like, you know what, guys, I'm a little bit down because this happened or that happened. And your people, your community will lift you up and carry you through. So I just, just be yourself. That's the key for live streaming. People will be able to tell if you're not being yourself. For me, on my live streams, I love to talk about slow jams. I love to talk about potential like singers at my wedding. We talk about Mariah Carey. I'm a really big Mariah Carey fan. I, my dog right. is, comes on my stream. Like if you're yourself, people will resonate and they will come back and they will tell a friend. You know, one of the things I discovered is, again, I don't do video all that often, but when I do, I'm usually in my home office and one of my office supervisors, usually Princess Alessandra Francesca, my my uh, my domestic short hair black cat who's sitting right next to me right now, giving me a severe look of judgment, will walk <laughs> right in front of the camera. And then sometimes her non-sister Princess Stella Giuliana will climb up over my shoulder from wherever she is. I've had one or two people say, you know, your cat should be in the next room. That's really unprofessional. You have your cats on your live stream. Okay, so you're not my audience. It's my <laughs> usual reaction to that. The fact the fact is, and uh, those in the audience who are lorophiles, which means cat fanciers, understand this. Uh, you don't own the cat. The cat owns you. <laughs> my cats allow me the privilege of being on the internet. <laughs> So if she wants to pace in front of the camera, I'm just fortunate that's all she's doing. Yeah. Because it could yeah. be much, much worse. She could demand cuddles at that moment. Then what am I supposed to do? Oh, I know mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to do. Pick her up and hold her. And I've done that. Yeah. That's, so it goes back so go back it goes back to authenticity. And uh, and you know, your case your case maybe it's it's dogs. I know somebody who uh did live streams uh while she had her snake sitting on her shoulders. Bless mm. her. And, and, and they're and they're yeah, that one, now that one, you're, I think you're getting into a bit of really deep audience segmentation because there are people who uh, love snakes and there are people who will just be absolutely repelled at the idea of a snake or freak out the idea of a snake. I remember growing up, my sister had a lot of uh, reptiles and uh, cold-blooded creatures in her room. It was like a, it was like a swamp zoo, basically. There were iguanas and those, I think they were called onomasticons, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, there were mice and geckos. And yes, there were snakes. <laughs> yeah, that... That wouldn't work. But like even like uh, I use Twitch this, a lot, for example, but like for yeah. Twitch, they have a little bit what's called a channel point redemption. So the longer you spend your time on a channel, the more channel points you acquire. And like ah. for me, I, th I think I have like 4000 points and you can I'll feed Nyla or live, which is my dog's name. I'll feed her live on stream. So she'll come up. I might. Well, she's too heavy to pick up, but people can see her because I'll put the treat up. She'll climb up and get the treat or whatever. 
And that just helps. People love it. And so it's just little things you can do to let people know that you're a real person and just stay authentic. Hey, I remember this happened most recently, maybe two months ago, but every so often I'll walk away from my computer and I'll forget to, if it was a laptop, I'll forget to fold it. Or if I'm on my desktop, I'll forget to lock the keyboard or whatever I forget to do. And one of the cats will jump on the keyboard and end up posting to social media. I think you know what I'm talking about. It'll be that post that goes on for about 14 inches, and it's the letter J over and over and over again. That happened to me once uh, when I dozed off early. I thought I was taking a nap. It turned out I was turning in. You know how the universe sometimes makes those decisions for you. Uh, thought I was going to be away for a half hour. Turns out I didn't get it back till the next morning. My cats had gone on social media, and one of them made one of those comments, uh, one of those posts where it's just a letter J for 10 inches. And I think there were about 25 replies telling her to knock it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, either tell her to knock it off or tell her to give a message to her daddy. <laughs> but the point being is that's part of my authenticity. And people thought, oh, well, look at that. I guess he forgot he left his computer on and the cat's sitting on the keyboard now. What else is new there? So they started trying to have conversations with my cat. Well, let's hope the cat wrote back, you know, have fun with it. You know, it's just yeah. like, like people like uh, it's just like, no, there's no need to judge. Just no. let people be and just kind of enjoy the stream. You realize there's a real person loves cats, has two cats like our pets. My pet saved me. I was home alone for 10 months and I had my dog here. That saved me. And so, of course, I'm going to have them on stream. Of course, I'm going to be loyal. So if you like it, you like it. If you don't. I'm sure there's another live stream you can find that doesn't have a cat in. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made the point about uh, the, the person who does her live streams and she has her snakes around her shoulder. And I'm thinking, yeah, it works for some people and it works for dozen. But the mindset there is it's not for everybody. But on the other hand, for people who really like snakes, that can be a powerful audience bonding tool because they resonate with the snake lady. I mean, if you... And if you don't, if you don't buy that, bear in mind that there is a dermatologist who's become world famous for filming videos of popping large pimples. Hmm. I'm not sure that's one I would watch, but good yeah, luck to them. good luck I'm to just, them. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making the point. If somebody can become an internationally recognized brand celebrity by popping zits on live video. That little flub you make once in a while when you're live streaming is not going to begin or end the world. And, you know, the thing, the thing is, is I, there's one other phrase I like to remember that dogs don't bark at parked cars. They're, but they do bark at moving cars. When they see you moving, when they see you rolling, a few of them are going to be hating. What are you going to do? A client of mine just this morning forwarded me something where apparently a typo in something he wrote caused somebody to spend the entire day yesterday deciding whether or not she should point it out to him and then she wrote a like a six paragraph something about it and he okay. forwarded it to me and he said where do these people come from <laughs> <Nope>. not today <laughs> i did a lot i did a i did a a, a video once this is about 10 years ago, before I got into live streaming, the title of it was Holy Hemostat. And it had, it had something to do with social media. I can't remember exactly what. 
listeners of a certain age, in fact, many ages, will know that when you, you know, the holy hemostat is what's known as a Colonel Potterism, one of those very interesting exclamations Colonel Potter would make on MASH. A lot of folks got it. But then I got this one person replying to me, lecturing me about how hemostats are not holy and I'm blaspheming and I need to accept Jesus in my life, that she was informing me that as of now, she was officially disengaging from me and that others would be disengaging too. And, you know, I didn't respond to it, but I did type a reply. I just didn't send it. Yeah, and, and 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 it, and it said and it said two things. The first was, first it was I said, dear, if you've ever been shot in the gut, you'd be praying for a hemostat. Was number one, and then the and then the other item was is, you strike me as somebody who wishes people would listen to you. So I'm not really worried if you disengage. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you stop the empire from striking back. But I wanted to bring that up just to make the point that you're going to come up with a topic that not everybody's going to like in your live stream. But you got to focus on the people who love it. I got also, I mean, I'm really focused on is all the people who wrote back and thought that uh, holy hemostat was hilarious. Uh, then there were the ones who thought I should have said mule muffins or bull cookies or great Caesar salad. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and then, and then, and then, sometimes I share this uh, two-second YouTube video that's out there. It's of Colonel Potter saying, "That's what she said." <laughs> that's where I first found out about that video because somebody sent it to me in response to Holy Hemostat. Yeah. I gotta find that video. I still have it on my hard drive somewhere. I should play it again. <laughs> so. Amani, first of all, I'm so grateful. I know this conversation has gone in a few different directions, and I also wanted to be candid. And I thought it was also a good part of our story, too, that, you know, for some reason, I'm just on nine out of ten syllables, which is why I set things up so that you could just teach us some of the mechanics and some of the mindsets to go behind live streaming to grow your business. So as we're at the top of the hour here, what I want to do is I want to, I want to turn the mic over to you again, if you'll let me do that. Folks sure. may have an interest in going further with this, discovering more about the power of live streaming as a business growth tool, some of the other things that you offer in your business. So how do they get a hold of you and what do they have to look forward to when they do? Well, thank you very much for having me again. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. If people want to reach me, um, my socials is at Amani Experience. My name is A like Apple, M like Mary, A like Apple, N like Nancy, I, the word experience. That's where you get yep. it on socials. You can buy my book, DJs Mean Business. It's in Amazon. It's in any retailer where you would purchase your book. They can do that. Follow me on Twitch, which is where I do the majority of my live streaming, twitch.tv backslash Imani Experience. Right. My podcast, my podcast is the Imani Experience podcast. We talk to people who used to work in the corporate space and have left to do something more creative. I'm getting ready to launch a kind of a creators on Twitch series within the podcast because I've been interviewing a lot of people on my Twitch channel. So I'm going to bring that over to the podcast. And um, yeah, just my website, amaniexperience.com. Just reach out to me, uh, send me a message. I'll write you back. And um, it's just a pleasure to meet you and hopefully meet most of your community also. Yeah, I'll say very quickly for the Amani Experience podcast at your website, I actually had a chance to skim a couple episodes the other day. You have some pretty interesting artwork, first off. I really <laughs> love the aesthetic here. This, this really stands out. 
Uh, the other piece of it is you have a very unique style about you. I've been told that I have a unique style. I'm actually, I actually kind of toned it down for today, but I can be sometimes outrageous on an entrepreneurial <laughs> podcast. But you know, that that repels a couple people, but it attracts a lot more. So I do want to encourage everybody to visit your website, www.amaniexperience.com. There's a lot of great stuff there. And I'm, for one, I'm really grateful that you uh, were able to take the time to spend with us today. So, Amani Roberts, thank you for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, in education. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. All right. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.